Good morning, Rock Point. It's good to be with you this morning. My name is Heath Pelequin, and I am, uh, my family and I are our members here. You don't see me a lot because usually I'm out and about uh, helping churches um, in transition. It's kind of nice to be in one place today. It's just, just good to be here. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, I want to talk to you about something that Jesus kind of, kind of brings together in this passage of Scripture. We're going to begin in verse 31 in just a moment. And I've simply entitled this message, What Song Are You Listening To? What Song Are You Listening To? I, uh, in my undergraduate degree, I have a, a, a church music degree. I had studied music and loved music my entire life. And <clears throat> I love all kinds of genres of music. The, the, I, I love classical music and I love uh, southern gospel music. I love southern rock. I, I, you know, I love just a little bit of everything. And, and uh, you know, sometimes though, music, different, different kinds of music bring different things to your mind. And Jesus is going to use an analogy in this, in this story that he's going to tell to kind of bring to mind some things that some children playing and singing and those type of things. And so this morning, I just want to ask you, if you, if you just kind of with me with the old hymn writers, just tune our hearts in to what he has to say this morning. And in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is going to kind of lay out some things for us. He says this in verse 31 of Luke 7. He says, to what then shall I compare the people of this generation, and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread or drinking no wine, and you said, he has a demon. And the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you said, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. I just want to leave you with just a few thoughts from this passage of Scripture. First of all, it seems kind of vague and kind of, kind of out there to kind of begin there. But if you understand the context of this passage, Jesus is really trying to explain the person of John. John had just come out of a situation just before this passage in the verses that are previous. John the Baptist is, is, is in prison. He sends two of his disciples to Jesus. And he says, are you the Messiah, the one that we're waiting for? Or is there another to come? And Jesus uh, did many miracles. He healed the sick, raised the dead. He, he uh, healed lepers. And in that passage before, he says, go back and tell John this, that the dead have been raised, the sick have been healed, and, 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 and that will help his understanding. And so I think sometimes we look at this and we think, well, what is Jesus trying to really get at? Well, <clears throat> Jesus is basically trying to help them understand and have a right understanding of, number one, who the forerunner of Christ is, John the Baptist, and number two, who he is. And so he begins in this passage with a simile, a, a grammatical term in verse 31, where he basically says, to what then shall I compare the people of this generation? And then he goes a step further, he says, and what are they like? Meaning, you, what, what is there to compare with them? And he says basically this, he says, this is what they're like. He says, they're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. This was a, a Jewish game that, that, that many of them had seen played right, out, right in front of them where, you know, basically one group would call to another and the, the other would either respond or not respond. And this would cause kind of a, a contest to occur. Maybe you've heard something like this around your house. I know I have. That's mine. No, that's mine. No, that's mine. No, that's mine. And then before long, there's, there's a contest of who has it and who wants it. And then eventually mom and dad have to take it away. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? And so Jesus basically says, what do I like in this generation? And the first thing I want you to understand is the right question concerning this generation. Notice the question. The question is, what is this generation like? 
What, what, what makes these people of this generation, what are they like? And Jesus says, this is what they're like. They're like children that are playing in a marketplace and they're calling to one another that, hey, we played the flute flute for you, but you didn't dance. We sang a dirge for you and you didn't weep. In other words, we played music and you weren't listening. You weren't listening. You weren't listening to the song. Every one of us in this room has something that when, if I sang a, a few notes, you would remember it and it would have a memory for you. A couple of weeks ago, my family and I were in, in Baltimore, Maryland, and, and for Father's Day, my family gave me tickets to the Baltimore Orioles game. They were playing the Boston Red Sox, and I could not believe I'm sitting in Camden Yard, which is one of those stadiums I've always wanted to visit. I'm, I'm neither a fan of, of, of the Orioles or the, or the Red Sox, but I am a fan of the stadium, and so here I am sitting here in Baltimore. I'm sitting in Camden Yard, and I'm having the time of my life because in the summertime, Folks, it's 73 degrees at the first pitch. I'm thinking, this is unbelievable. Can we bring this to Texas? And we're sitting there and we're watching the game. The seventh inning comes and everything's going great. And all of a sudden, the, the heavens open and it just starts pouring rain. I'm talking rain where you couldn't see. And all of a sudden, the announcer begins to play over the intercom a song that I heard in 1989. It was by a group called Millie Vanilli, and the song was Blame It on the Rain. And for those of you that are laughing, you're old enough to remember. But the bottom line is not the song, because the song and the controversy around the song is this. The two guys that made the song a number one hit in October 7th, 1989, didn't even sing it. They lip-synced the song. The crowd that was singing the song around Camden Yards actually probably sang it better. But it reminded me of a time in my life in 1989 that this song came out. And I began to laugh out loud. My kids looked at me like I was nuts. But I remembered it took me back to a place in high school in a baseball stadium in Baltimore. Music has that kind of power, doesn't it? And Jesus is right here saying, what shall I like in this generation? What are they like? How shall I describe them? And he begins to describe his relationship with John the Baptist. He begins to describe what these people are like. In this verse, he says, hey, we played a flute and you wouldn't dance. We sang a dirge and you wouldn't weep. And then he begins to explain John in verse 33. He says this. He gives a proper description of John. He says, John neither came eating nor drinking wine and you says he has a demon he says john came to you and john was very strict in his diet if you remember john the baptist was the guy that came eating locust and honey i don't know about you but i'm not looking forward to going home and having that for lunch you know he came having wearing camel's hair and a, and a belt around his waist and john the baptist came preaching a a, a a a message of repentance for the kingdom of god is at hand he said john came this way and you didn't like him he says, and, and he says, and this generation is like that. He says, you didn't like John who came saying, hey, this is what I'm all about. But he says, this is how the Son of Man came in verse 34. He says, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking. You say, look at him. He's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He says, Jesus says, which one do you want? And he gives a description of who they are. He gives a description of what they're about. And he says, this is what the song is. I'm singing the song and you're not hearing it. By the way, there's several songs throughout the Word of God. I just want to give you a couple of them that I find very interesting. The first one we see in, in the book of Exodus, chapter 15, where Moses sings a song. It says this in chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed graciously. 
The horse and his rider has been thrown in the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. You say, well, when did he sing that? He sang that right after the, the parting of the Red Sea, when the Red Sea closed on, on, the, on Pharaoh and his army. This was the song they sang right after that. The whole nation singing the song. Well, how about the great songwriter himself, David, who said this. David, in one of his songs, says, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Isaiah the prophet wrote a song, and he said this in chapter 12, verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust him and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength, and he is my song, and he has become my salvation. Unless we forget, Mary sang a song. We call it the Magnificat. And in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55, this is what she says. She says, my soul does magnify the Lord. When she found out she, she, she was pregnant with Jesus. Songs have always been a part of our culture. Songs have always been a part of our life. If you go with me to my, my wife's family, they're all from Alabama. And at some point during the weekend, you're going to hear Leonard Skinner's Sweet Home Alabama. They're from Alabama. That's what they sing. All my family's from Louisiana. We don't sing Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> the case in point is this, church. We all have a song that we listen to. We all have a song that we sing. And Jesus is simply saying, what song are you listening to? And he's asking this group of people, are you listening to me? Now, the interesting point to this is there were people there, two groups. The group before this passage of Scripture, there's a group of people who were following Jesus and pressing into who he was and trying to hear his song. There's also a group of people there known as the Pharisees who were there to basically try to discredit the song. And I don't know about you, but maybe in your life you've, you've walked through a time where you've tried to realize, is what Jesus is telling me really what it's all about? It's his message of redemption, of his salvation, that, that, that we just took the, the communion together and, and, the, and, the, and the blood and, and, and shed for my sin of Christ and the body that was broken for me. How important is that? That's all part of his song, the song of redemption. And we look at this passage and we say, well, what do we do with that? Well, you have to have a right description of the culture to understand that. And Jesus basically says, I'm singing, they're not listening. He says, play the flute, you didn't dance. We sang a dirge, you didn't weep. For John came, neither eating or drinking. And you said he has a demon. He said, this is what you said of John the Baptist, and he didn't do anything wrong. He says, and then I come, and I, am, I, am, I come, and I am the son of the living God, and I came eating and drinking. You said, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of glad Jesus came for tax collectors and sinners. His grace was extended to us. But basically, Jesus is saying, I came singing, but you weren't listening. You weren't tuned into the right station. You weren't listening to what I was trying to say. You weren't hearing the song. So who is John the Baptist? Well, John really is the fulfillment of Elijah to come. Matter of fact, Malachi chapter 3 verse 1 says this about Elijah and about John. He says, Behold, I'm sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way for me. And the Lord whom you will seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And he says this in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. Behold, I will send you, Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. 
Well, when did he come? He came as John the Baptist to prepare the way of the Lord. Matter of fact, Jesus says of John, right before this passage begins, he says, when John's messengers had gone away, verse 24, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out to see in the wilderness? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and living in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. This is he who is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before me. And then he says, I tell you, among those born of woman, there's no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom is greater than he. You know how much Jesus loves servants? He loves to watch people serve him. He says the least in the kingdom is the greatest. He says, you want to talk about someone that's greater than he? Someone who serves. And when all the people heard this, this is what the tax collectors do. They declared God is just having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. Case in point, here it is, Heath Pelequin's commentary, they didn't believe or hear the song. There's all kinds of songs out there. There's songs that will promise you satisfaction and will never fulfill you. There's songs out there that will promise you the world and they can't ever give it. But then there's the song that Jesus sings. It's simple. It's clear. Its melody is complete. And it's consistent every time. That he is the son of the living God who died for your sin and rose again. And he loves you. And he calls us to surrender all. That's what he does. To have a proper understanding of what Jesus is saying, you have to understand who he's talking about. He's talking about John coming to being, being the forerunner of who he is, but he's also talking, this is the fulfillment of the Old Testament covenant where Elijah was coming, to, and the person of Elijah that was coming is John. And John the Baptist has come to make way for the Lord. Do you hear his song? His song is glorious. His song is freeing. His song is majestic. His song is exhilarating. It's exciting. I'll never forget being in college and for the very first time hearing a, a full orchestra play and how my heart just soared within me because I was from a little town in East Texas. I mean, we heard the high school band a couple times a year, but other than that, man, we didn't hear an orchestra. And I remember the first time I heard an orchestra play and I just, I just sat on the edge of my seat and everybody's like, are you okay? I'm like, you understand, we didn't get this where I came from. And I said, I just don't want to take it for granted. I don't want to miss it. When the song of Jesus plays, people sit on the edge of their seat. They tune in because it's so different. It's so alive. Because it's about a Savior who came and died and rose again. And he gives life to us. The right question concerning a generation, he says... What do we compare them to? The right description of the culture. Do we understand the song that we played and you didn't dance? We sang and you didn't weep. The explanation that's crucial for our understanding of Christ, that we understand that He is is the Son of the living God who came to do what He said He was going to do. And the final thing is, I want you to understand the importance of listening to the right song. At the end of this passage of Scripture, something pretty wonderful happens in verse 35, and it often gets left out. And 
I don't know why, but it's one of my favorite parts. In verse 35, it says this. It says, yet wisdom is justified by all her children. Why would Jesus tack that on at the very end? What does that mean? Well, Jesus is using a proverb from the Old Testament, and this is what he's saying. In Proverbs chapter 8, verses 32 through 35, it says this, And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me and watches daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and observes favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. What's he saying? Well, the first thing he says is, listen. Listen to me. In this passage, he says, hear my instruction, verse 33, and be wise. We all want wisdom. We all want to know which way to go in our life. I don't know about you, but, but there are times I'm thinking, man, I want to be a great parent. I just want to be a good one. I want my kids to love God. I want them to know Him. I want to have a relationship with Him. I want to do everything I can to put them in a place where they can know and trust Him. I want, him, I want them to hear His song for their life. Because we as adults, we know there's all kinds of stations out there. Many of them to take us off course. Very few of them to help them to be connected to who He is. I want you to know one of the things I enjoy about Rock Point, one of the things I enjoy about our church is the, is the series that we're in where, we're, where, where pastors really driving us to be sent. Part of understanding that is knowing God's will for our life and purpose. And, and I pray that as we continue to connect with that, that we'll continue to hear God's song and step out in faith to what He wants us to do. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're like, Heath, I just, I just need to take that next step. Maybe that next step is, is a step of faith for salvation. Maybe that next step is, hey, God's calling me to do something in my life. Just being ready, being available. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it, he says. And then he says, blessed are the one who listens to me. Jesus is basically saying in this passage, are you listening to me? Are you hearing the song? He says, if not... You'll hear me singing and you won't respond. Or even worse, you'll just act like I'm not even there. But here he says, but you listen. And when you listen, blessed are those, happy are those, joyous are those, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. He says, listen, wisdom is that which hears what God's saying and responds to it in truth. And we as the people of God, when we hear what God's saying, we respond in truth. There's something beautiful that happens in the midst of that. God's song is being heard. You know, God's song is sung in the mundane. It really is. Case in point, I was getting ready to go speak at a church, and I got up and did something really crazy. I got up at 5.30 in the morning and went to Starbucks. You know, it opens here in Flower Mount at 5.30 in the morning. I've, I've been there. I can attest to that. I walked in the door 5.30 Saturday morning, getting ready to go speak somewhere, and I walked in the door. I'll never forget, I was greeted at Starbucks here in Flower Mount. Somebody looked at me and said, what are you doing here? I'm thinking... Why do you go to Starbucks? I'm going to buy some coffee. And the lady's like, it's 5.30 on a Saturday. I said, y'all are open, right? She said, absolutely. So we walk in. She goes, what, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm about to go speak to a group of guys at a church over here, and, and I'm headed over there to do that. And I'll never forget what she did. About 22-year-old college student, she reached out with both hands, and she grabbed me on my shoulders. This is Flower Mound, right down the road here. She grabs me by my shoulders, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, this isn't good. I don't know what I did, but, you know, I, and she looked at me, tears began to roll down her face. This is what she said. She says, thank God you came this morning. I just prayed as I walked in the door that God would send me somebody to pray for me today. 
And I said, well, I kind of do that stuff. I pray for people in Starbucks on a Saturday morning at 5.30 a.m. And I'm thinking, tell me your story. She started telling me how she had some decisions to make in her life. She was a believer in Christ, was trusting him, connected to a local church. She just needed some answers from the Lord. And I said, well, you know what? If you're tuned in to him, he will answer in due season. Just be faithful. And I got my white chocolate mocha and walked out the door and realized that my whole time at Starbucks had nothing to do, church, with me. It had everything to do with God wanting her to hear his song. You and I have a song to sing. God often speaks in the mundane. It's the person next to us that needs to hear it. It's the person down the street that needs to hear it. It's oftentimes when we are not even connected or thinking that we have something to share, that's when he shares it. That's when he uses us. Just be available for him to speak. Just be available for him to use you. Hear him. Listen in wisdom and obedience and trust him. That's what he wants from you. Third thing that he finds in this passage, he says in this in verse 35, he says, whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Whoever finds me finds life. It goes back to that. Yet wisdom is justified by our children. That, that justification by children is those who find him find life. Jesus Christ, the song that he sings is about life. John 10, 10, one of my favorite passages of scripture. I learned it as a child. It, it simply says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the older I get, the more I see of that. But the second part of that verse is there's a conjunction. It says, but Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest or have it overflowing. The bottom line is Jesus says, I've come that you may have life. And the life that we find, we find in him. And he says this to our hearts. He says, wisdom is justified by our children. Wisdom understand that the song, the song that we sing is about life. And I'm the giver of all life. And he gives life everlasting, never ends. It's continuous and as joyous, complete as the morning and new every day. That's his song. And if we're not careful, sometimes in the busyness of the day, the song can get distorted. I'll never forget growing up as a kid, I lived out in the country and sometimes it's hard to get all the radio stations. I'd have to drive to a certain hill just so I could hear song. Sometimes the things around me would get in the way. In your life, in my life, if we aren't careful, our song can be distorted by the things that were around us. Can I just remind you? Turn your eyes upon him. Gaze fully into his wonderful face. And as the, as the hymn writer says, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. You know what that looks like, strangely dim? We hear that language sometimes. That's really weird. What does that mean? That means he turns the noise around us down so we can hear him. Oh, when you and I hear him, we hear his song of love, his song of grace, his song of mercy, his song of freedom from sin. But the enemy doesn't want us to hear him singing. For whoever finds me finds life. And obtains favor from the Lord. You know what favor from the Lord looks like? It's really simple. Make it hard sometimes, but it's really simple. I'm, I'm a dad. 
you know, my children do things that, that, are, that are right and good, and they do things for me. I just delight in that. I find great favor in that. I like to speak over them and tell them I love them. He says, for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. He is our heavenly father that wants to bestow his favor on us. God's not in heaven trying to find out a way to make you sad. Or he's not in heaven going, oh man, if they just, if they just would get it right. No, he's a heavenly father who's singing his song over us and he wants us to hear and trust that his best is our good. And for us to delight in him. So what do we draw from this, Heath? How do we wrap this up? Quick question. What song are you listening to? There's songs out there that will sing about, about how you've messed up and how you can't come back. Can I tell you, that's not his song. There's songs out there that say, you'll never be good enough, so why even try? That's not his song. Rock Point, his song is the songs we've been singing today. They all point to the same person. His songs are, come to me, and I'll give you rest for your soul. Come to me, all ye that are weary. And I'll embrace you. One of the great hymn writers said it this way, Come ye sinner, poor and needy, weak and ruined from the fall. That's all of us, ruined from the fall. He says, I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in His arms. In the arms of my dear Savior, oh, there are 10,000 charms. You know what I have found as a follower of Jesus Christ is not a perfect life because I can't live it. But I have found His grace and mercy for every step, for every day. I've found a forgiveness for when I blow it with my wife and children. A couple of days ago, I had to go to my oldest son. I had to say, I'm sorry. I should have believed you when you said it and I shouldn't have said what I said. Will you forgive me? Because that's what happens when you hear the song. I want to ask you a question this morning. What song are you listening to? I could name a song and you could go back to a place in time and some of you would smile and think, man, I know exactly where I was when I heard it. There may be some songs others would say and you say, I've never even heard that song before. But somebody on the other side of the room would say, I have. Do you remember the song when Jesus said, come to me, I love you forever. If you've heard that song, rejoice in it. Tell somebody else about it because we all need to hear it. In a world that constantly wants to destroy it and drown it, trust him. It's simple. It's clear. It's right and it's good. Trust the one who's singing it. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein. Sinners plunge beneath that flood and lose all their guilty stains. The greatest thing ever happened in my life happened when I lost all my guilty stains. That's the song we're singing. And that's the song we get to sing. Song of the redeemed because of what he has done for us. Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. And God, I'm grateful for this church. And I just pray today that you would bless them. Lord, I pray, I thank you for the song you've sung about redemption and salvation. I thank you for the life you've lived. Lord, I thank you that you use us. God, may we just be available for you. 
God, I'm praying for some believers today that, Lord, they just need to take that step and trust and say, God, you may not be sending me halfway across the world, but, Lord, you can send me from my home right now to my job. Or you send me the supermarket, maybe even the Starbucks. God, wherever you want, I'll go. Use me. Or for others, you're calling them out that further step of faith. Lord, you're calling them to maybe go and, and share their life somewhere. Maybe Guatemala or Haiti or someplace in Africa. God, give us faithfulness. Give us that boldness. Lord, maybe today you're calling someone just like this precious lady did today just to say, I will trust Jesus with my life. God, may we be available to that. Have your way in us, Jesus. We love you. We just want to hear your song. Sing over us today. In Jesus' name.